This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, week 14 has every team in the league playing, including 12 of 13 on Saturday night. We're just over two weeks away from the NLL trade deadline. Brad Self has been busy, and we'll talk to Callum Crawford of the Black Wolves as they get set for a big doubleheader. All that more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, Spotify, the Lacrosse Flash, and of course the NLL Network. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Every team is in action this weekend. We have a game on Friday, we have a game on Sunday, and we have six games Saturday night. So if you have multiple ways to watch National Lacrosse League games at one time, make sure all of your devices are fully charged because Saturday will be a busy one. We will get to a a rundown of all the games of this week, but... Breaking news as we start to record our show. As mentioned, the NLL trade deadline just over two weeks away. It was supposed to be March 16th. They've pushed it now to March 17th to give teams that are playing that weekend a couple extra days to really finite and figure out what they want to do with their rosters in case they need to make some last-minute adjustments. But the Buffalo Bandits and GM Steve Dietrich have pulled off a trade with the Rochester Nighthawks as the Bandits acquire Frank Brown, Dan Lintner, as well as a 2024th round pick in exchange for Thomas Hogarth, Dallas Bridal, a second rounder in 2020 and a third rounder in 2020. So when you just look at the optics of this trade, it continues on the path that Dane Smith and Chase Fraser are week to week. So Buffalo needed a right-handed forward with some experience, with some grit, and Dan Lintner has both of those things. Frankie Brown is still an untapped potential defender stud. He's bounced around a little bit in his first few years in the National Lacrosse League, but I just, I hope that kid finds a home in Buffalo because he is a very, very good talent. He is from that area, so he'll feel right at home in Banditland. But I think he still has a lot of room to grow. So Buffalo and Rochester making some deals. Obviously, Rochester picking up Thomas Hogarth. He's been out all season with a injury. If they can get him healthy next year, that is a wonderful pickup. I like Dallas Bridal as well. Plus, they get a second and a fourth in this upcoming draft. So, Rochester, an expansion team that's struggling, building for next year. The other trade that's happened this week in leading up to week 14, the Colorado Mammoth have acquired Tyler Digby in exchange for a couple of draft picks. And I think this is a pickup that Colorado needed in a big way 
Pardon the pun. Tyler Digby's what, 6'4", 6'5", 250-ish? I think on the website they said he was 277. And I know Digger's a big body. I just don't know if he's 6'5", 270. So we'll call him 6'5", 250 because that sounds a little nicer and I don't need to get beaten up by a guy the first time he plays in Colorado. So we'll talk to Brad Self about that deal. We're still waiting from word or forward from the National Cross League on the discipline summary of this week. Everybody waiting with bated breath on what's going to happen with Cody Jamison. He was given a match penalty at the end of the first half in Halifax's game this past weekend. It's still unsure of the reasoning for it, but... And I said this on Twitter when it happened. I won't begin to speculate. But there was a run-in with Billy Holstrauser as he bumped into Clark Peterson as the two teams were crossing paths. Jammer took exception, gave a bit of a punch to the back of the neck or back of the head to the back, wherever you want to call it, punch landing, to Holstrauser. Now that in itself doesn't warrant a match penalty. So we can only infer that something was said. And this goes all the way back to the Dane Doby incident from the beginning of the year. And if something was said that warranted the match penalty, Cody Jameson's most likely going to be out this weekend. Now, going back into the annals of the histories... Evan Schemenauer and those alike were unable to find Cody Jamison receiving another match penalty of any kind, so he won't be a repeat offender. But it will be interesting to see what the league does after reviewing the incident reports and talking to those involved to see what comes of this. And if it was something said to an official, to to a player, it's unfortunate. But it just goes to show that players need to watch what they say. This isn't 15, 20 years ago where you could chuck out some sort of swear word or something that kind of borders the line of being offensive and get away with it. You just can't say things that people will take the wrong way or deem offensive. And I know it is a very intense sport. And we talked to Dane Doby last week or two weeks ago, and he said he was caught up in the moment. He never should have said what he said. He completely regrets, regrets it. And he understands the consequences. And I'm sure Cody Jamison will regret what he said, if indeed it was something that he said. But we are in a day and age where you have to watch what comes out of your mouth. And not just in the sporting arena. In general. Walking down the street in conversation with our friends, our families, our co-workers, our peers. It is a different era. And we all need to be careful with our words. People will say it's a snowflake generation whatever. There's just no reason to be using derogatory comments towards our fellow 
human. So let's clean that up. Let's be better. And let's just play the game of lacrosse. There are a thousand other words you can use. You don't need to go over the line. So again, there might be an opportunity while I'm recording this that the league sends out their summary discipline. Hopefully that does happen. If not, stay tuned to Twitter. The information will be out as soon as it is known. Before we get to Brad Self, let's quickly go back and look at what was a interesting week 13 in the National Lacrosse League because every game from here on out is going to be imperative. If you go to isleindoor.com and you read Marty O'Neill's latest um, article talking about the unbalanced schedule and that is going to continue to be a thing until we add more teams into our league. But he goes and talks about how now we're getting into the bulk of the season and games are going to be that much more important and schedules will balance out and we'll start to see a little more levelness within the standings. But last week, Halifax beats Toronto by a goal. Calgary beats Georgia in overtime by a goal. San Diego beats Vancouver by a five spot. Saskatchewan beats Philly by a five spot. And New England routed Rochester by 11. Now, as Marty points out in his article, you can't put too much weight in some of those games against the expansion clubs because New York and Rochester are indeed struggling. They are both on pace to tie the Anaheim Storm and Edmonton Rush for worst records, one of the worst records in league history. Still belongs to Charlotte Cobras, who were 0 for 10. But you can't put too much weight in those games seeing New England run up the score and think that they are a dominant team. They are a very talented team. But they've put up 21 on New York once. They just put up 18 on Rochester. They got New York again this weekend. Not every team gets to play those expansion teams three or four times. So there still is a bit of unbalancedness to the schedules. And which brings a bit of unbalance to some records. But in saying that, if you're going to be a team that competes for the NLL Cup, you damn well better win those games that you're supposed to win. Now, Rochester is a very talented team. They can have the chance to win on any given night, to use the cliche. I think they are a few steps ahead of New York, but you still can't be going into those games thinking it's a guaranteed win. So it'll be interesting to see over these final seven weeks or so of the regular season of how teams fare in those sort of quote-unquote games you should win. Because if you're going to drop one of those games, it will have a major impact on you the rest of the way. You cannot afford to start losing games now in 
games that you should be winning because it is too tight in the standings. If you take out New York and you take out Rochester, who are two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, in the East, it's one game between first and third. In the North, it's a game between first and third. In the West, it's three and a half between first and third, but only, sorry, first and fifth, but only a game and a half from second to fifth. So you must take care of your own business when you are tasked with it. Because if you're New England, and you go into the game Friday night and you think to yourself, oh, well, we put up 21 on New York the last time we played. This is going to be easy. And you start thinking about Halifax on Sunday and you end up dropping that game to New York. It really could screw the rest of your season and take you out of a second spot or even a wild card spot. So while there may be easy games on paper, no game is going to be easy down the rest of the the stretch. Week 14 has eight games, six on Saturday. It is going to be a wild finish down the stretch. The Colorado Mammoth have a big game against the Philadelphia Wings on Saturday. And Brad Self and Pat Coyle, Sean Williams and Andy McBride and everybody involved even some of the captains within that group have always been trying to find size, grit, maybe even a, a floor quarterback. Now, Tyler Digby was a tight end. He may be able to throw the ball, but he's not a true on-floor quarterback. But what he is, is a big body. And that is something that Colorado has needed on that right side. And they've added him to the likes of Ryan Lee, Jacob Rue, Kyle Killen. Jake McNabb, even D Dylan Malloy. They've got some size over there now. And Digger is going to be flexed into that role right away to create space, create havoc, and just open up the lane for some of those guys. But he's also going to be asked to contribute. And as New York's leading scorer, we know that he can contribute. And that is one of the reasons that Brad Self went out and made the deal to acquire the big man from New York. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's no secret we're, we're younger on old. Um, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow as a group up there, but we felt that uh, adding a guy, Bigby's, uh, you know, um, you know, he's a veteran, uh, and certainly a size. Uh, um, always liked him as a player playing against him, and and you know now watch him. Uh, you know, he continues to produce and play well, and I feel like some, he's somebody that can um, uh, fit nicely into our offense. And um, you know, we believe that he's really going to help our our uh, other younger players develop. What would what's his biggest trait that you guys did? His size, or was it his experience for that right side? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to, you know. You know, size certainly stands there, right? But but he's able to play her. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for us, you know, we're we both Leaser and, and Killer, Brew there, and Naber. Uh, you know, we're not, we got some guys that are really good with the ball, you know, great shots, great feet. 
Um, but it was nice to be able to add a guy of uh, bigger size, right? To to add, to compliment those other guys and feel like he'll, he'll um, you know, that was his number one, our number one thing when we, we you know, found out he was available was just the fact that we could add his size and, you know, to our to our right side and our offense as a whole is something that we've been looking for. So, you know, we're excited to see him, um, how he fits in and um, plays this weekend and moving forward. The move for Taylor Stewart was maybe one that caught a, peep, a lot of people off guard. Was there a reason for that, or was it just giving a guy a chance for a change of scenery? Yeah, I think we, you know, again, um, you know, depth-wise, you know, I'm, you know, adding Warren Jeffrey this year, and then having, you know, being able to have Brett Craig in the second round. Um, you know, we we talk weekly and. Weekly, it was like, how do we find a way to get Brad Craig in the lineup? Um, you know, really like Stewie as a player. Um, you know, he has a lot of attributes, you know, play both ends of the floor. He's got nice balls, been here. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, he, he wasn't having his best season. Mm-hmm. Um, but not bad by any means. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think it was forward thinking and we're, 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 we knew he had a really, uh, high pick from Toronto. It wasn't like we were going to take a, a second round pick from anyone, um, mm-hmm. but that was a really high pick that we felt we could either draft somebody for next year um, or again, we were able to use it to get somebody where we had a real need uh, for an offensive player. So uh, it wasn't anything that you know, Taylor did wrong, unfortunately. Uh, not an easy business sometimes. And uh, yeah, we wish him nothing but the best in Toronto and, and, uh, yeah, we just feel like it was something we had to do to, to and and a little bit of the you know thinking about expansion as well. Not sure mm-hmm. if it's going to happen or not, but um, have to start thinking that way. And, and that was before we made the trade, so it was uh, to maybe protect somebody else um, and then be able to draft somebody, um, you know, in this this year's upcoming draft. So yeah, that was our little bit of a thought process. A little bit, a lot of lots, not a little bit, a lot of stuff goes into it, right? Um, uh, but we're happy with where we ended up. The thought process of this team over the course of the year has been, you know, trying to really improve. And you've got guys like Wardle and Rue and, and Ryan Lee are having really strong years. But you have mentioned to me and Pat's mentioned to me and, and Sean's mentioned to me that the, the floor quarterback has been a, a role that you guys are kind of lacking. Is that still a piece you're trying to add? I <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, you know, just like any other team, we're constantly trying to get better. I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, ha- we're happy with our guys. We, we, you know, their growth, um, where they were, where they've, you know, come and, and you know, how far along they've come. Uh, you know, guys are having career years. Um, we feel like we're doing it by committee right now, but certainly, um, you know, a, a, a general, a quarterback, uh, you know, I think it was just something, you know, some teams have, some mobile. Um, certainly something that, you know, we, we would, you know, we're open to, uh, and, and looking for, but it's not that we don't believe in the guys that we have currently on our team. So, um, you know, it would have to be, uh, somebody, you know, that we felt that would fit in with our, our, our core group. We're not, we're not trying to blow things up here, but, um, you know, if we could add somebody that, that had that, you know, veteran, guy uh that that's been comfortable handling the ball and being a quarterback we we certainly open to it 
League's put the trade deadline to March 17th, giving teams that play on the Sunday a little bit of extra time to make the move if needed. But I was wondering, in years past with East and West divisions, at this point of the year, we've seen more teams maybe out of a playoff spot and out of contention, so there's maybe been more sellers at this point of the year. With three divisions and more teams vying for that wild card spot and more teams vying for that one or two spot in their division. Do you think making trades will become a little bit harder this year? Uh, hard to say. My first time doing it. So <laughs> true. Um, I'm not sure how the conversations have been in years past. Um, and, and, you know, as we get closer to the deadline, um, but you know, I, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, forecasting for future, not mm-hmm. just this year, but, you know, for next year, um, but also wanting to win now, right? So, um, you know, I think everyone's, you know, trying to, I don't know, trying, trying to get better constantly, yeah. right? And and um, I don't think it's any different this year than previous years. I'm not sure if the division realign affects that or not, uh, but uh, certainly, you know, most of the teams are still, you know, fighting for a playoff spot here, whether it be the top two seeds in the division or those wild card spots. So um, there's still some time here for things to play out ahead of the trade deadline, and that may change teams' directions as we get closer to that Margaret team state. How far ahead in, in draft do you look when, when it comes to swapping for draft picks? You know, I, again, being my first time through this, like I'm, I'm – I wasn't familiar. I'll be honest. Like as I headed into the draft, I didn't feel like I was as prepared as I should be. Um, but that was just based on timing of everything. And, you know, I'm already starting to prep for, for this year's upcoming draft, uh, in terms of how far out, uh, some other guys who have been around, maybe coaching junior are very familiar with guys who are going to be draft eligible in two years, three years time. Um, for me personally, it's nice having, you know, our staff and guys that are involved, you know, on the, you know, in the junior leagues all across Canada. Um, mm-hmm. So really, really familiar with, with the, you know, BC guys, Ontario guys, and the uh, Alberta kids. So um, that's nice for me. I'm, I'm just started, you know, the process of, um, you know, reaching out and connecting with kids for this year's upcoming draft. Um, and once I do that, you know, that that's my number one focus. And um, But again, you know, when you're considering trades and stuff, you know, with, with you know, the, you know, talks of how strong, uh, the draft is in a couple of years as well. You have to keep that in the back of your mind when you're when you're talking about trades. Let's focus on the now and then forget about a bit of the future. You guys are on a stretch of six of eight at home, but you're also entering a stretch where you play five of seven against teams outside of your division. Uh, Chris Gill was on the show last week and he said, now with this wild card scenario, winning outside your division becomes even more important. How big is this stretch for you guys, knowing that you guys uh, have played a few more games than other teams and wins become paramount? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's bang on. I mean, we being this Saturday is huge for us, uh, certainly with how, where we are in our, you know, you know, within our own division. Uh, but again, you know, you beat Philly, you give them another loss. Um, you know, depending on how they do the rest of the way, right? You, anytime you can beat them, you're 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 moving up in your own division, uh, but you're also moving up within, depending on if you're going to be in that wild card position and, and getting that head to head, 
tiebreaker against those teams as well. So every game, you know, every game is important, but, um, you know, you know, even more so this year against like your, your, the North and Eastern teams. That's a, a pretty interesting Philadelphia club. Their, their second year, quote unquote, as a franchise with, with the new look wing. How impressed have you been with uh, what our good buddy Paul Day has been able to do from last year to this year to really turn that team around? Yeah, I mean, Paulie, I, I have a great deal of respect for him. Obviously, having played, you know, in Roch, um, and with, you know, in Peterborough, um, you know, a guy that's been around a long time. He gets it. He's he understands, uh, you know, the nature of our league, and you know, showed a great deal of patience. Um, obviously, it's nice, right? Whether people talk, you know, are aware of it now in the lacrosse world. You know, Brett Hickey last year didn't play all for them. Um, you see how important he is to their team. Um, certainly, have Zach Higgins in the year he's having. Um, you know, always helps having, you know, a goalie and then they add, you know, did a great job having a couple of veteran guys like, you know, Lordy, um, and Bit. Um, you know, it just goes a long way. And they, yeah, they're, you know, Washington, they're big, strong, um, up front can score some goals and really athletic on the back end. Um, so they're, uh, you know, a completely different team than they were last year. And, you know, credit those guys for, for sticking with, you know, with the process and, and knowing what they had, um, making a couple of adjustments to, to, to put them where they are now. Having that size of Brett Craig and Warren Jeffries is going to help this game against that really big offense of, of Philadelphia, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, that's one of the things. They're big, strong, and physical. Um, not just Crowley and Hickey, right? But, you know, Kyle, when he when stays up, he stays and plays quite a bit, right? So to, to have, you know, the meat of our defense is actually on the left-hand side. So it'll be a... You know, nice, nice to have that. Uh, certainly, when you're playing a big uh, team like that, so you know, excited to see how our guys match up against them on Saturday. You mentioned your relationship with Paul Day when you were given this role as a, an assistant GM, and you kind of moved from from player to front office. Were there any guys that you kind of leaned on or talked to to kind of learn some of the ropes? For sure. I mean, you know, Patty's been awesome. Um, you know, here with me, he's been great. Um, um, but you know, obviously Danny, Dan, Carey, the buddy of mine, um, and Bali have been the two guys that have been really, really helpful. And, you know, been really, you know, reached out, um, when I got the role to fill me in on things, uh, um, that they felt it was really important for me to know and, and have been, um, and just, you know, people that I've been able to pick their brain with, just sometimes even through text, right? And, or a call, they're always available. So although we're, you know, I guess, you know, in a way, we're, we're, well, not in a way, for sure. We're obviously competing against one another, but, um, you know, been really, really, um, you know, great for me to be able to lean on when, you know, especially being new in my role and then with so much to learn. Um, yeah, I just kudos them and appreciate all the, everything that they've done for me so far. Military Appreciation Night in Denver this weekend. Uh, the team unveiled their new jerseys, which look really, really sh- uh, I'm pretty sure we won't have as much trouble as the Avalanche had with their outdoor game at Air Force. But how stoked are you to be able to have this military night and, you know, really give back to a community that, that is really important to the local Denver area? Yeah, I mean, it's always a, you know, as a player, it was always a, you know, a big game for us to be a part of with everything that's going on. Um, you know, we're having the, the, the swear in at halftime, I believe it was, you know, somewhere around 150, um, you know, people last year, I think we're upwards of around 300. So, um, pretty amazing and, you know, really great for us to, 
you know, again, I feel like we're a little part of, you know, these people who, you know, service that protect us and uh, do this for a living and, you know, to, to have them come out and be a part of our game and uh, pay tribute to them is, you know, real special for us. So we're excited to, to make sure we pay them back with, with a good effort and a win on Saturday night. Have you bought into the hashtag of trade ward yet, or is that considered, or are you uh, not really considering trading your number one best <laughs> goaltender in the world? Not, not a chance. I, I see myself. I'm still shocked that that's a thing. And I know people have jumped on that, and, uh, poke fun at it, but you know, he is played unbelievable. And he, I mean, playing with him, I knew how good he was, uh, playing against him in the summertime, but this year he's even elevated his game to another level. So, um, uh, pretty humorous that that's a thing, but it, uh, you know, it's, it's people grabbed a hold of it and actually, you know, brought some attention to our, to, to our league and our team. So, um, I, you know, he knows uh, how we feel about him here and knows he's not going anywhere. There he is. That's Brad Self, assistant GM of the Colorado Mammoth. And, yeah, I don't think they're going to be trading Dylan Ward anytime soon. Just a crazy, crazy idea. And I think that is a a fan's perspective in sport that the goaltender is always to blame. Look at all the people that have mad hate for Nick Rose. And every time he gets scored on, he should be traded, and he's the worst. And every time Dylan Ward gets beat on a backside look or standing at the top of his crease playing a high arc and gets scored on, he should be traded. What are you people thinking? They are two of the best at their craft. Just because they don't play a style that you like or they get beat the odd time doesn't mean they should automatically be traded. And the people that are saying Colorado's defense and goaltending is their issue, other than Warren Jeffrey, they've had one first-round pick since they drafted Eli McLaughlin and Robert Hope five years ago. Zach Haywires was their last first-round pick, and he's now in Calgary after being bounced around between a few clubs. So when you don't have a first-round pick, it's tough to build your offense. So you have to continually try and fill the gaps when you can. And Colorado has done an incredible job this year with Warren Jeffrey and Brett Craig, even Jake McNabb, even Dylan Kinnear. They're finding players when they can, but not having those first-round picks has been really detrimental to their offense. They've made do with guys like Kyle Killen and Ryan Lee and Rue and Chris Wardle, who was a sixth-round pick by Vancouver many years ago. And... Trading for Tyler Digby and not giving up any first-round picks was huge. Because they'll be able to go into next year's draft and hopefully find a good offensive talent. Because next year's draft is quite talented. So for all you people who jump over gold, jump all over goaltenders because they let in a bad one or have an off night, just stop. It makes no sense, and you're only making yourself look foolish. By the way, 
trade ward shirts available at the lacrosseflash.com. Go get yourself one. Keep the movement going. And plus, there's a whole bunch of other wicked shirts over on the website. So make sure you go check it out. Get yourself some shirts and support the lacrosse flash. Week 14 in the National Lacrosse League is going to be a doozy. A doozy. As mentioned, there are eight games on tap. Friday night, New England at New York. We'll hear from Callum Crawford momentarily about their doubleheader. On Saturday, your NLL Game of the Week live on Twitter, Facebook, and BR Live. Halifax at Buffalo. Same time, 7 o'clock Eastern, New York at Rochester. The quote-unquote tank for teat battle. I don't like using that term, but truly, with all signs pointing to no expansion next year, one of those two teams will have the number one overall pick, unless it's traded, and the overall consensus is that Jeff Teat will be that number one guy. Now, I don't think either club will purposely tank for Teat, but the prospects of getting one of the best natural shooters to come out of college in some time is a pretty lucrative spot to be in. 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, Toronto at Saskatchewan, an Alterna Cup battle. Uh, That is always a dandy of a matchup between those two clubs. San Diego at Calgary, 9.30 Eastern, another West Coast battle. Also at 9.30, Philadelphia at Colorado. Myself, Jamie Shuchuk, John Gallant will have the call from the Loud House. Super excited to see my good buddy Paul Day, Tracy Klusky, and Ian Rubel, all longtime friends of the show. Final game on Saturday, Georgia at Vancouver. A big game for both clubs as Georgia trying to get out of that third place spot in the East, guarantee themselves a playoff spot. And Vancouver currently sitting at the bottom of the West just a game and a half behind second place Calgary, so they can do some climbing of the standings their own selves. And then the final game on Sunday, March 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern, Halifax at New England. That will also be a doozy of a game. New England gets a day off between their doubleheader. New York has to go right to Rochester the next day. Halifax has to go all the way to New England from Buffalo. It worked for Philadelphia last week. They were able to pull the double dip. Can Halifax find that luxury as well? Speaking of New England, Callum Crawford. One of the game's most acrobatic players and innovative players. Because truly... When guys dive across the crease, they are literally horizontal to the ground for the most part. But Callum Crawford started the idea of jumping vertical and across the crease, giving himself more angles to shoot at, better stick control, better body control, less opportunity to dive into a goaltender drawing a penalty, and more net to shoot at. And if you heard Josh Byrne a couple weeks ago talking about guys that he looked up to, one of the guys that he mentioned was Callum Crawford. They played together in Buffalo. 
And he has likened his style of play to what Callum does. And that's a very flattering thing for any lacrosse player when a young, growing superstar can say that you are the reason they play the way they play. And Callum Crawford is inspiring not just NL Ellers to play lacrosse a different style. He's also helping the youth down in Oklahoma how to play the game the right way. I caught up with Callum Thursday morning. He was in the Oklahoma airport on his way to New York. And obviously, we start our conversation with the idea of airplane etiquette. Is he a get on first or wait kind of guy? Does he like to recline or does he hate the recliners? All those questions and more with Callum Crawford. No, I'm a right away get in, sit down. I usually take the window because of it. And uh, whatever, if it's super early, try to sleep or uh, dive into a movie or something right away. And then do you press the button and recline right away too? No, no. I don't usually recline, not uh, because I think there's anything wrong with it. I definitely think it's completely fine to recline. There's a reason why there's recliners. Uh, I just don't thank you half the time, to be honest. <laughs> uh, what's the Oklahoma airport like? Tiny. It's super easy usually, but they, uh, they, they only have certain flights. So everybody that's flying is flying at the same time. And then uh, they usually only have like one security thing open for everybody that's coming through. So it's, there's a ton of people standing there doing absolutely nothing with TSA, but uh, they only open up one, one security line, which makes me scratch my head. Isn't that always there's more people working than trying to go to the line and people working just aren't doing anything? Yeah, I don't actually think they're working. They're being paid, yeah. but they're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, a big weekend for you guys. What's the, what's the travel plan once you get to New York? Are you uh, meeting up with the rest of the guys heading to Long Island, or do you guys take an Uber? Uh, I think I'm luckily actually meeting up with the boys this time, which is good. So I think we'll all jump on a, a shuttle together out to Long Island. And uh, regular... Regular uh, standard, you know, wake up in the morning, do shoot around, uh, play a game, and then we hop on a bus and drive a couple hours back to uh, Connecticut and have Saturday off as a team, which is uh, new to me. I don't think I've, I've done a Friday-Sunday before in all my years. So uh, it's a back-to-back without being, you know, with a little gap in it. So I'm interested to see how that one goes. Are you looking forward to catch up with a good buddy, Rich Lisk? Yeah, I'd like, uh, I'll talk to him after the game and, uh, hopefully it goes our way so I can trip him a little bit, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we can't start doing that because I don't want to be jinxing, uh, jinxing anything. So we need to win a game first and then I can have some fun. I also am business partners and one of my best friends is Ryan Fournier, who's on the other team. So we've been tripping all week about this one. Um, uh, that, that's the thing that, that comes more and more with lacrosse these days is the buddy system and friends before games. How hard is it to, to separate that because lacrosse players are so close and there is a lot of friendships in the game, but how hard is it to, to put friendship aside for, for 60 minutes? Oh, it's, it's easy to be honest. Uh, I've played a game against my own brother and tried to dirty him the first second I had. So I think we're all professionals. We're all super competitive athletes. The second that first whistle goes, uh, all that friendship and that stuff goes out the window. You play it how you play it. As soon as that last last buzzer goes, uh, you know you're back to being friends and everything, and that's just part of you know being able to separate uh, French, friendships and, and professional. I tell a lot of people I don't mix personal and uh, and lacrosse. I'm able to separate the two very much. You know, just I may 
say something negative about somebody as a lacrosse player, but doesn't mean I don't absolutely love them as a, uh, as a person. Um, and I think most professionals are like that, and that's why they're able to be professionals. Last time you guys played New York, you put up 21. How important is it for you as a group not to look back at that game and, and think this one's going to be just as easy? Yeah, and that's, I think that's what you always talk about, right? You can't overlook somebody just because you had a day with them. Uh, one game, anybody can win in this league. It, it's that close of a league. You can't record watch. You can't do any of that. You have to give your best every single night. Uh, you know, 18-game season, everybody is is good. There, there's only so many lacrosse players in this professional league. There's only so many teams for the best players in the world. And that means every single team can go out there and win a game any given night. And the second you try to, you know, take a game off or you read some press or, or something is when it kicks you right in the ass. So, so you don't think 14 points is in the back of your head again? No, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often at all. I did honestly, when it happened and someone told me, I'm like, there's no chance. Uh, and, and that's, again, that's credit to just an offense playing well, right? You can, you yeah. can get points by other people doing great things. And that's what it is. That's And any player that puts up those type of points will tell you, you know, they're not doing something extraordinary to get that. It's, it's everybody around them that's doing something extraordinary for you to get that. You just happen to be lucky enough to have touched the ball at some point. What's the most underrated skill of Andrew Q? Hmm. I'd say vision. I don't think anybody talks about his, his vision. Um, so that would be one for sure. The kick and shoot the ball unbelievably well. Uh, and I think everybody knows that and that's what they talk about, but, uh, he, he's got good vision. You know, he sees the other side of the floor. He sees the middle of the floor really well. Um, you know, he, he's young in this league. He's got a lot of attributes that he needs to develop, but to be that good coming in at, at the age that he is, is fun. If I would have been that good when I stepped into the league, wow, that would have been wonderful. Uh, wouldn't so, that be so nice? he's, It would be right. You see some of these guys coming in you're like, Oh my goodness. Um, and he's one of them, you know. Uh, he's he's done some great things. He's got a lot of press going for him, and uh, he's gonna have a bright future ahead of him. He can, like I said, he shoots the ball as good as anybody I've ever seen. He's a good rookie on the floor. Is he a good rookie off the floor? Is there such thing as a good rookie anymore? <laughs> touche, Callum. Touche. You know, it's just different generations, and it's it's not their fault. I think it's our fault as veterans. Is we don't hand. Uh, handle it like we used to and maybe because we're not allowed anymore but i remember when i was a rookie and i had incredible vets like tracy koloski caleb toe uh, jason wolder i had kyle goundry um greg gelzik uh you could imagine what being the only rookie on a team with those guys would be like um yeah. you know i was putting everybody's bags on and off the bus i was getting putting on the nets and taking off the nets getting the balls picking up all the balls doing absolutely everything myself um, I never had to be asked because, you know, you just knew that's what it was as a rookie. And that's the one thing I try to tell these guys is it's not when you are asked to do little things and we don't ask much, but what you do, you know, just do it for that one year. You have one more year to be a rookie for the rest of your life. This is the last time. This is the highest level. There's no next, next level beyond this. It's your last time being a rookie and enjoy it because uh, you'll never, ever have to do it again. So, you know, for me, that was how, kind of my mentality with it too. And I knew, Back in that generation, if I tried not to or I forgot, again, the shit kicked out of me by Tracy. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, Kurt Miloski and John Grant and Sean Williams and, and Tim oh, yeah. Sudan as my veterans. And you, you slack off for one minute as a rookie. You're getting a ball buzzed by your face. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you're driving back and forth on the road trip. Like, you get all the punishment. And if you're not up oh, yeah. enough, it's a, it is a different world. 
Listen to us, eh? Back in my day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where are those old guys now? Oh, goodness. <laughs> Some of those guys are still playing. <laughs> I know they are, and they're probably listening, being like, you guys are acting like we're old. Um, right. But uh, it, it's a different generation. You know, you're not allowed to haze, uh, and I think a lot of things can be interpreted as hazing, and I think that's what has changed in junior. I know the very first time I coached in junior years and years ago, uh, rookie haircuts were still a thing in junior, and yeah. – we didn't know as the coaching staff it was happening, but rookies did, uh, did, you know, they got their haircut. They, they did their thing. And we got an email from a mom of a, a bright young goalie at the time. He was a first year goalie and he had, honestly, just, he had a great feeling ahead of him. Um, after that happened and I heard he came out loving it, but mom was so mortified. She was talking about pressing charges and that kid never played a, a single game of lacrosse after that. Wow. And that's just the reality of the generation that we're in. And it wasn't that he wasn't wanted to. It's, it's, I think it was his mom that didn't let him. Because, again, the, the message I got from everybody, he was coming out laughing, smile on his face, and thought it was kind of fun. Uh, and, and who knows how he truly felt or whatnot. But uh, that was the big shock to me was, you know, understanding the, what we could be looking at legal ramifications. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't, which was great. But that was just learning the reality of the new generation in sports and there, obviously, there's awful things that have happened throughout the course of time to put us in this position, um, but it is what it is, right? We, we move yeah. forward as a generation, and we have to adapt and change the way we do things. We, as the old generation, sit back and we complain about it, but uh, I'm sure we, along the line, you know, along the, the road, did something to uh, contribute to the need of change. So I'm empathetic to that, but at times it's hard, right? You think of all the, the stuff you went through and had to, had to do, and you're like, everybody's so privileged, and that's probably how our parents feel about us, so... I get well, everything now. Just re- remember back to college days where you had to do power hour and drink goldfish. And oh, I know. All that stupid <laughs> stuff that they made you do, and everyone loved it because, hey, you know what? It, it, it meant this is your rookie. You're going through this as a rite of passage. Now you're a part of our team. You gain yeah. more respect from all the guys uh, when you do go through all that stuff. So, so I agree. Yeah. It is a, a bit of a different generation. I would still love to see rookie haircuts come back. That's always one of my favorite things. Um, sure. Well, I was watching uh, the movie, the George Bush movie that came out, and I didn't watch all of it. I just watched the start of it. They were showing like some hazing for pledges, and I'm curious yeah. if uh, you know sororities and and uh, whatever you call the the fraternity. Fraternity. Thank you. Uh, if they still do those things or not, I'm curious if that got had to get taken out of those things too because of all. Yeah, that. I think uh, all, a lot of that stuff's been taken out too, just because of all the ramifications of of deaths and injuries and yeah. people being sent to the hospital and all that stuff. Yeah, Let, let's focus yeah. back on the good stuff. Um, you, you, we mentioned you guys play Friday in New York, Sunday at home what's recovery like for you I, you mentioned it's, it's a day off so it's a bit different but are you one of those guys that puts your legs in those recovery sleeves and pumps the air through them and and rejuvenates the legs while you got the day off uh i will if they're available for sure uh, i will do anything and everything uh to try to recover you know i, I think it reminds me of the, the big daddy saying you know what's your five-year plan don't die <laughs> so that's kind of that's my recovery uh focus is just uh you know I'm, I'm fine during the game but afterwards is it's a battle to even get back in the gym a couple of days later in the week so uh playing the back-to-back for the ones i have circled and you know try not to get hurt type thing because it's tough right as we get older our bodies break down so i will try anything and yeah. i will sit the kool-aid on every single ad i see on 
social media that's about recovery and everything because uh, I'll take whatever I can get to make my legs and body feel a little bit better. The story of Halifax in their first year on the Maritimes is a really cool one. Uh, it's great for the game of lacrosse. It's great for the league. It's great for the growth in the sport. But, you know, they're not a true expansion team. They're a relocated franchise. But Mike and Kersey has done a really good job with that group. When you watch them play, what do you like about what Halifax does? Well, I love Stephen Keogh, first off. I'm a huge Keogh guy. Uh, so just watching him being successful again is uh, it's awesome to see. Uh, you know, that's a good team. I think they had an off year last year, but, you know, that's a franchise that just won championships, and you're seeing them coming back to life again just in a new city. And uh, the support the fans are doing is amazing. It's great for the sport, like you said. Um, but that's just a quality program, and, and it goes from top to bottom. The way they run from the top end, the coaching is amazing. And, uh, you know, the players they have can, can play this game. And, you know, they got Graham Bosick, who's obviously circled on every offensive player's calendar as well to know when you have to get ready to go up against him. And he leaves that defense and, and uh, goaltending is playing out of their mind. It's just, that's a good, good lacrosse team who's, who's showing, you know, how last year was just a hiccup. Uh, we'll get to Hossick in a minute. So the la- last year for Rochester had, had to have been tough because they were in a situation where everybody knew they were leaving. So there had to have been a lot on the mind of guys. You were in Minnesota in one of their last years. What was it like playing for a franchise that was always kind of up in the air if the future was going to stay? Yeah, they never announced it during the season, so we didn't know for sure that it was going to happen. Obviously, we had heard rumblings. Like, to be honest, there was, there was years where we were hearing rumblings of uh, Nashville and stuff, too. So yeah. uh, you, you can't ever really believe what's happening until it actually happens. So I think it was a little bit different situation versus they actually announced it during the season without it was happening. So, you know, fans kind of lose their passion and love and you get those, those diehard ones that are, you know, kind of almost hating you and hating the organization. I'm sure that could have a toll. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, so Graham Hossack, um, do you run away from him or do you try and throw some magic dust in his face so he can't see you? Um, first off, he's not a human being. Can we disagree <laughs> on this? Yeah, he he is a Terminator. Yeah, there, there, there's something. He's the cybernetic, whatever you call it, cybernetic Cyborg, yeah. being or whatever he is, yes. Um, yeah, that's, he's ridiculous how fast, strong. I remember playing a field game in Atlanta, and trust me, I haven't played many, that's why I remember them. Uh, and coming home from the bar one night, and he was in my room talking, and I just you know how hotel wrestling goes. I just jumped him out of nowhere <laughs> thinking I could have a chance. He put me into a pretzel within like five seconds where I couldn't, I was so tied up. I couldn't even tap and I'm yelling tap. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that just it speaks how ridiculously strong he is. But uh, yeah, no, he's, he's fun because those are the guys you want to challenge yourself with. Right? Yeah. For me, it's, you know, a young guy is, you know, how good am I for me? It's uh, can I still play against guys like that? And, a good determination on where you're at in this league and stuff. So uh, I'm excited to, to play against them. Obviously, I'll be uh, looking at my, my other righties to, to help out a little bit here and there to uh, take that big body away from me. But it, it's fun. It, it's competitively. It's, it's exactly what you want to see uh, every time. And, you know, hopefully we can have some success against them as a unit. Everyone talks about, you know, the respect and, and the play of Graham Hossack as you just did, but you have high praise for Greg Downing, who a lot of people, you know, think goes under the radar, but he is just an absolute machine out there. Yeah. I didn't, I don't tweet very often, 
but I just, you know, he's somebody I've played with for so long. And, uh, I, I understand D guys that for the most part, don't get the same talk as, as offensive players, but, uh, a lot of them do. And, you know, he, that, that man is a game changer. Yeah. And I don't think people realize to what extent he's a game changer. Why does Sean Evans want to fight him? You know what I mean? And it, <laughs> right? it's because he's so good. It's not the first time they've, they've gone at it either. It's because he's so good. He frustrates you as an offensive player. Um, and that's, what, that's the first thing we do when we get frustrated is we lash out and do something stupid because somebody's playing us so well. And he literally does that. You, there's been years and years and years that his coaches realize these things, but I don't think people outside of it, because he doesn't play for Peterborough and he doesn't play in BC, he doesn't play summer ball, so he doesn't get a lot of the love that a lot of the columnists that do cover our sport uh, provide. And I don't think it's, it's a bias. I think it's just they may not understand and see him as much, but he plays everybody's best player. Mm-hmm. Every time, and every team that I've ever played with him on, and I've just, the third team I've played for, and he truly eliminates them from a game a lot of times. And uh, that's where, when I was just having a beer with, uh, with Seth last, last weekend afterwards, and I met him just saying, I'm like, he is the all-time greatest American-born defensive player. And nobody talks about these things. And I know we, you know, U.S. blew up into something, and I didn't intend for it to be that. Uh, but I've played against a lot of the guys on that list that U.S. Boxer put out. Uh, I, know, I never got to see her play against Natalie, so I don't know on that one, but I've played against Reggie. I played against, um, Jalbert. Um, I forget who else was on there and it wasn't, it, it's not a slight to those guys of how great they were. It's just, you know, they didn't eliminate somebody like Downing. Jalbert yeah. was great in transition. Uh, Reggie made you pay the price. Downing eliminates you. And that was the thing where, uh, you know, I think credit is just needs to be given to some people and he's not a guy who will ever, probably never even see this tweet or ever hear this thing because I don't think he has internet or does any of these things. And I don't say it so that he can hear it. It's just uh, give credit where credit's due. And that guy has done it for a long time at a very, very high level. And I think at the highest level that any American's ever played in our game. When does the surrealness sink in that you got young guys in the league now saying that you were their inspiration for how they play the game and for their style of play? Uh, it's, it's humbling. It's amazing to hear that. Cause you never know what type of re- the reach is, but to be honest, a lot of these guys, I turn back and say, well, guess what? You're my inspiration. Keep doing this. Um, you know, I see the things that they can do and I'm trying to add tools to my game. Cause the second you don't think you need to add anything, it's probably the time to hang it up. And, uh, I'm not ready to do that yet. So whenever I hear that for the most part, I usually have something that I've seen in their game that comes right back uh, to them. So I'm grateful to hear those things. Uh, you know, it, it means I've, I've had some success uh, in influencing this game in some capacity, which I'm honored to have done. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's, it's fun to be able to say, hey, right back to them, you know, the way that you do this or that, it's, it inspires me and it's, I'm still learning from you at the same time. How much longer do we see uh, an Oklahoma stud lacrosse player get drafted in the NOL? I have two ridiculously, freakishly athletic guys right now that are in 11th grade. Uh, if they obsessed over lacrosse, and now one of them just committed to the University of Albany and the other one were interested to see where he commits. Uh, if they obsess over this sport, which who knows if they will, if they go up and play junior careers in Canada, like I suggested, uh, I could see them being 
able to play in our league. And it's not offensively that I see them playing in our league. I think both of them would translate to a transition player in our league, but there's two of the greatest athletes I've ever seen play lacrosse in general. Um, and that's what we have here in Oklahoma is we have these, these football genetic freak athletes and uh, they're starting to play lacrosse. And two of these guys are two of the most phenomenal athletes I've ever seen. And they're only in 11th grade. Um, so that's, that's where it's, it's realistic. It's just whether you get, it's so new and, and, you know, trying to even think about playing in Canada would be so foreign to these guys. Uh, so I don't know if anybody will ever push that way. It's hard to preach about a professional career to anybody when, you know, these kids are aspiring to be doctors and, and, you know, lawyers or other things that will make it very difficult to be, be able to play professional lacrosse, um, you know, so it's hard to, to preach. You guys should try to do this or, or even get them to think about that. But, uh, and I, I've never talked to either of them about professional lacrosse, or I think they could do that one day. But just uh, seeing how ridiculously athletic some of these kids are out here, it's definitely realistic. If anybody wanted to do it, they just have to take the steps and, and starting to work towards it. So all you NLL pro scouts, you might want to plan a trip to Oklahoma. Go check out the talent down with Callum as he continues to help grow the game in some areas of the continent that aren't true lacrosse hotbeds. And he's having a great time down in Oklahoma, helping with the programs down there. And we look forward to seeing some talent come out of the Panhandle State, and maybe one of them will D-up Callum in a few years. I think Callum could last four or five more years, don't you? he keeps his body healthy and he gets a few more doubleheader weekends with games in between. Because that is a rare thing. It's not often that you get to play a Friday then Sunday. But when you can have those opportunities for the break, you have that opportunity to enjoy a day off, let the body recuperate and recover, however that may be, you got to take those opportunities. So, Thanks to Callum for stopping by and, and always a pleasure chatting with him and, and just telling stories and reminiscing about the old days. And, and it is funny how the lifestyle of rookies in sports have changed. And I'm not a proponent of hazing per se. Like guys should never feel embarrassed as a rookie or a freshman or whatever it may be. But there is something to say about the experience of team bonding when young guys get their head shaved or have to constantly clean up the bus or take the luggage on and off the carousels at the airport and take them to the bus, clean up balls after practice, the water bottles, whatever it may be. As a rookie, you shouldn't have to be told to do those things. You should just naturally understand that you are to do them. Whether you're a number one overall pick or the last round pick, as a rookie, there are little things that you should do. And you shouldn't complain about them. You shouldn't bitch and moan about them. You shouldn't try and get out of those duties. We've all had to do them. We will all continue to have to do them. But as Callum said, you're only a rookie for one more year. Put up with it, do the task, do the jobs that you're asked to do, and it will go a long way in showing to your teammates that you have bought in. Because if you're that rookie and 
you the the coach says, you know, rookies clean up the bus. And you're the first guy off or you're just sitting around grabbing your luggage, not doing anything, only worrying about yourself. Other guys recognize that. And other rookies recognize that. So don't be that guy. Be a team guy. Be a big team guy. And do your part as a rookie. Because you're only a rookie for one more time. The next year, it's going to be you saying, hey, rookies, clean up the bus. And if you're that guy that didn't clean up the bus, and next year you start chirping at the rookies and getting all over them, that's not a good look. Not a good look. Doesn't look like we are going to get the discipline summary in on time to break that news for you. So make sure you stick close to the NLL socials as well as my socials at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. We'll have the breaking news whenever that is released to us. It is a busy week 14. We are seven or eight weeks away from the end of the regular season. This is is the start of the playoff push. It is going to be a frantic finish, but make sure you're settled, comfortable, got your feet up and all your devices charged because there is a lot of lacrosse to watch this weekend. For those of you that are in Denver, I will see you at the Loud House. And for everybody else, enjoy the games. Thanks to Callum Crawford. Thanks to Brad Self. And as always, thanks to you, our fantastic loyal fan base. We'll talk to you in a week's time, and remember, be excellent to each other. I am-